Thank you for tuning in to Church on the Rock podcast. We have a great sermon in store for you. We hope this message challenges you, builds you, and motivates you into taking the next step in your purpose with God. Enjoy the sermon. Let's look at uh, John chapter 4 and then Romans chapter 8. John chapter 4, and then we're going to go to Romans chapter 8. I'm going to talk to you about praying in the Spirit tonight as a, way of, uh, as a way of life and being consistent in praying in the Spirit. Most people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and uh, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, and once they pray in tongues, if the hands are laid on them, maybe in a service or wherever, um, they tend to let that part of their life, that life slip. And the Bible tells us not to let things slip. Spiritual things should not be things that slip in our life. And we have to be careful not to let spiritual things slip. Every day I should have a prayer life. Every day I should have a word life. And really every day I need encouragement. And it's good to fellowship with people around the word of God. So let's take a look at the Gospel of John chapter 4, and I want to get right into that verse of Scripture. And uh, our goal is, is to understand that we are spiritual beings first. Um, the part of you that everybody can see is your body. That's the part that's going back into the ground. That's not the real you. That's your, that's your house that you live in. That's the part of you that you animate and I animate with our spirit and our soul. The Bible said faith in the book of James without works, faith without works is dead. So the body without the spirit is dead. The body has no ability to function without the spirit. It has no ability to function without the spirit. Your spirit can function fully and totally without your body. And when it separates, that's what we call death. So death is just a separation. It doesn't mean that the person doesn't exist anymore. It means that it takes a body to stay in this planet. And, you know, the body goes back into the earth. I was passing by the graveyard today, and I saw somebody putting a, you know, they put the casket in a concrete vault and put it in the ground. Boy, I said, I, I know that can't be God's. <laughs> I said, I know that can't be God's plan for us. That, uh, that they take us and put us in a concrete box. No, your body goes in there because it's, it came from the earth in the first place. When you read the book of Genesis, that's where it came from. It came from the earth, so it goes back to the earth. But the real you is a spiritual being that is eternal and that it will live forever. You are created in the image and likeness of You are an eternal being. You will never, ever, never, ever, ever, never Never, ever, never, ever, never stop existing. You are going to live forever. The question is where you're going to live at. <laughs> that's, that's the first decision you make, that you want to live eternally, amen, with God in his presence. Amen. The other place is a real bad place. And people say, well, I don't believe it exists. Well, just wait around and find out. It ain't what you believe. It can, you know, you know that's the, I don't mean that's what's going to happen. What you believe, unless it's based on the word of God. So let's look down here, and, um, and we'll pick up here in verse 23. 
It says here, but the hour cometh, it was Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman. It says in John 4, 23, the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper, the true worshiper is a spiritual worship. The true worshiper is a spiritual worship. Amen. Which means it is, yeah, worship is fellowshipping with God until you become like him. That's what true worship is. Worship is becoming the thing that you give your attention to the most. That's what worship is. Worship turns you into whatever has your attention. That's why God had to preface worship with true worship. There is a false worship that turns you into something that's not God. And religion is a false worship. God never gave us. He had to preface religion with true religion, which means the Bible prefaces religion just like it prefaces worship with the word true, which means there is a false religion. And religion is practicing something over and over again, but you're not becoming like God. You're not becoming like him. So you can go to church your whole life and not be like him. That's, that's religion. And um, look over here in, uh, hold my place here to give you another verse of scripture. Look in Luke chapter 6 and verse 40, just to... Um, Luke chapter 6 and verse 40, he says, the disciple or the one that is learning a spiritual lifestyle, that is practice, a disciple is someone becoming like Christ, or they are allowing the Holy Spirit to control, lead, conduct, feed, empower their life. Amen? That's what a disciple is. It's a person that is becoming like Jesus Christ. Discipleship is becoming like him. That's what true worship is, becoming like him. Is not above his master, but everyone, somebody say everyone, everyone, that is perfect shall be as his master. Which means that if I am really truly being discipled every day, I'm becoming more like him. Romans chapter 8, we're going to go there in just a minute. Bible, the Bible says God's plan is to conform us to the image of his son. Everybody's living an image. Everybody's living an image. You can live an image of poverty. You can live an image of greed. You can live an image of lust. Everybody is living some kind of image. You've got to reflect something. Because your, your eye gates, your ear gates, your heart is constantly receiving impartations. That's why the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it's coming something. Amen. Out of it, it's going to reflect something. Amen. You know, praise God. I'm thinking about Pastor Peach. He was talking about two preachers. One of the preachers' uh, congregation put some pressure on him, and he started cursing. And uh, he started cursing. And, and so um, he got back in the pastor's study, and, and, and uh, he, the one that cursed asked the other preacher, said, um, why didn't you curse when they put pressure on you? He said, because curse wasn't in me. When they put pressure on you, it was already in you, and it came out of you. Amen. How many of us want Jesus said, you're going to know them by that. What's in you will come out of you. Amen. Especially when you're comfortable. They say amen to that. Come on now. You to be, sometimes we have our church face on. But is that you? Praise God. Well, if it's not conformed to the image of Christ. Amen. That's why Jesus didn't come preaching, get saved. He did not preach, get saved. He preached change. He said, repent, 
That was his message because the kingdom of heaven. To repent and then work on your believing. Believe God. Amen. Worship is living what you believe too. Amen. If you believe the Bible, then true worship is going to cause the behavior of your beliefs to manifest. You live, you practice, you talk what you really believe. All the time. Amen. All the time. And Satan is listening to what you really believe. He's, what, he's listening to what you really give yourself to because that's the real you. But God, Jesus came. He didn't come preach, go to heaven. He didn't preach, let's change. I mean, uh, let's get saved. He preached, let's change. Let's change and become like the image God created us in the very beginning. He created us in his image and his likeness, and he has not changed his mind. Religion tries to put Jesus in another category and say, you something else. No, whatever he is, that's what I am. Amen. Praise God. And that's the way the believer needs to live. Now, if I don't believe that because it's been preached to me another way, then I think I'm something else. You don't, we don't call ourselves sinners saved by grace anymore. Either you saved by grace or you still a sinner. Pick one. Amen. That's a Dr. Jekyll and Hyde experience. That's somebody that's going to try to be like a Christian at church and then go out in the world and live any kind of way they want to. I think say they saved by grace. Yeah, you are saved by grace. So live saved. Amen. Amen. Grace is God's ability to separate you from your past life. That's what grace is, his power and God's ability, his strength to separate me from what I used to be. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. And a sinner is something that is made. You got to be made a sinner. It's a manufactured product that comes out of darkness. Righteousness is a manufactured product that comes out of heaven. Amen. That's what the Bible teaches you over in Romans chapter 4 and chapter 5. By one man's sin... Adam, many were manufactured, made sinners, which means your nature were in the image and likeness was no longer like God. So Jesus came with a brand new image. He showed up on the planet as the only one that was the son of God in righteousness and true holiness. And when we put our confidence, the Holy Ghost does a work on us and takes out the nature of sin and puts a brand new nature on the inside of us. Say amen to that, and then you really, you really are somebody else. Now, you got to renew your mind, praise God, that you are not that old person anymore, but the world will keep trying, and people around you will keep trying to remind you of that. Amen, and even sometimes your old behaviors will keep trying to remind you of that. No, but once you get your mind renewed, why you don't need to live like that anymore, you'll come up out of that thing. I don't need to do that anymore. There's no profit in that lifestyle anymore. It's not progressive. It's not causing me to live the most advantageous and victorious life that I could possibly live. Amen, praise God. And, and you know, I'm talking about living a spiritual life, but you want to get your mind renewed too. Preaching, listening to preaching, we get good preaching now. I'm not talking about just anybody. You just can't turn on Christian television and that's it. Amen. You got to listen to the Holy Ghost. If you listen, he'll tell you to turn some people off. Yes, he will. Praise God. Hallelujah. Because if they're not, <laughs> anyway, if they're not teaching you how to pray in other tongues and teaching against it, people don't talk about it anymore. But it's in the Bible. We're going to talk about it tonight. Because it's the only unilateral exercise of your spirit that separates you from your body and your soul. 
That's why people don't like praying in tongues. They are uncomfortable with it. Why? Because they don't know what they're saying. They don't feel good about it. So they don't do it because they live by what? Feelings. They train to live by how they feel instead of what the word says. Paul said, I pray in tongues more than you all. That's how he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And I'm going to give you the benefits of it. We pray for people to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. A lot of y'all came. But it's one, of the, it's one of the misunderstood subjects of the church that comes out of the Word of God. That's why most denominations will not do it. They want you Holy Ghost ignorant. Well, that's where the power comes from. So if I can disconnect you from the Bible, I got you practicing some religion that looks, the, Paul told Timothy, it's a form of godliness. Let's see that right there. If ain't no power in it, power to change, power to live right, power to say no, amen, power to, amen, power to stay healthy, power to prosper, amen. You need power to live this life. So he says here, he says here, disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect or everyone is committed to change will be as his master. Perfection means maturity. Everyone that's committed to growing up. Amen. We're not, it's not that I'm, I'm not, I don't beat myself up if I make a mistake, I repent. I tell God I'm committed to change. Repentance is not I'm sorry. That's not what that word means. Amen. And a lot of people think it means I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry means I'm sorry. Right. Repentance means I'm committed to change. Amen. I know maturity is required of me. And I'm standing in the presence of God and I'm receiving the ability to change. And then the Bible said the blood cleanses me so I shouldn't be feeling guilty about a mistake in my past. Maturity doesn't feel guilty once it's repented. It knows it's washed under the blood. I believe this in my past. It's covered under the blood, and I do not make that a part of my future. See, that's part of being perfected. You don't make your past your future. You're being, you're being perfected when you, don't, when you let the blood cleanse you of your past. Amen. The Bible said a righteous man can fall seven times. Come on now. But the Lord does what? Raise him up every time. God is not interested in you being down. He's interested in you being up. You will do more for the kingdom up than you ever did down. Praise God. And your faith will let you get up after you fall. I believe that you cleanse me. See, you live by your belief systems. If you believe that you've been cleansed, you believe that you've been free, when somebody get out of jail, they don't keep looking at the jail. They run. Let's get away from around here. Let's go get some real food. Let's go lay in a real bed. Let's do something real for a while. That is manufactured. Amen. Praise God. So somebody that's been released from bondage, amen, you don't stay there in the chains. You don't keep looking at your chains. You know that whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm going to live some indeed. Indeed, I'm blessed. Indeed, I'm healed. Indeed, I'm delivered. Indeed, I'm, amen, I've been set free, praise God. Indeed, I got keys to the kingdom. Amen, go live your indeed life. That's a free life. Look over here in Luke chapter, chapter, chapter 6 in verse, we all read over there, verse 46. He says this, why call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Why do you have to do it? Because the word is spiritual. 
Words are spiritual. I believe all words are spiritual of some realm of the spirit. Let's go back over here to John chapter 5, John chapter 4. I just wanted to show you that our job as disciples, Jesus said, go in the world and make disciples, not church members, not attenders, not pretenders. The assignment is to make disciples. It's not membership. Preachers get it wrong. I don't want to show up with members. I'm going to get judged for membership. I, not membership, discipleship. Remember me to preach one time? He said, oh, we run, uh, how many times? He said 2,500 through a week. We run 2,500 through every weekend. What are you doing? Slaughtering cattle? Raising hogs? It takes time to make disciples. You can't just run them through and feed their flesh and sing songs to help their feelings and never disciple them in the word. They can never do, they're, they're not even equipped to do the Great Commission. Right. I'm, not, I'm, I'm against having fun. I'm not against having fun, excuse me. I'm not against, fel- you have to have fellowship. You have to do fun things. But people have to grow up. And discipleship is the assignment, not a church attendance as an end. Running people through and keeping it, you know, at a level where everybody's flesh can handle it. We want everybody to handle it. But we don't change the word because somebody can't. You're going to preach 20 minutes, but the move is two hours. They didn't move in the movie. The movie is two hours. The ball game is four. Why was the word 20? And you didn't say nothing in that 20 either. You stroked them the whole time. (laughs) In here, I'm probably going to stroke you, but I'm probably going to go back the opposite way. I don't even know why I did it. Your fur going to stand up. Your fur going to stand up because I went the wrong way. Praise God. But it's the word. Amen. Amen. The word. People don't. Anyway, moving right along. Yeah, let's look at this. John chapter 4. Praise God. I got one thank you, Pastor. <laughs> see, see, I can live with one thank you. I, I, didn't, throw my, I didn't throw my staff down and run out because you didn't say Amen. <laughs> All right, look what it says right here in John chapter 4, verse 23. It says, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father, what? So there's two places you got to be. You got to be in there. Amen. You had to come in this building and in this room. In is a preposition. It's one of the eight parts of speech you learned early, early in, in grade school. It's letting you know you're talking about a position or place where somebody is or somebody's going. So he says, I want you in the spirit. That is our default realm. Once you're born again, that is your realm. I want you in the spirit. I don't want you in the flesh. I don't want you in the feelings. I want you in the spirit. Why? Because God is a spirit is what he's going to say. 
if you're going to fellowship with him, you got to go where he is. He is not flesh and blood. God is a spirit. He's a spiritual being, and so are you. And we were created to fellowship with him. We're in his class. We're in the God class. I believe as Peter said, we've been given the divine nature. Amen. You have the nature of God on the inside of you. Now, when Adam disobeyed God, we got the nature of Satan on the inside of us. That's what a sinner is. It's somebody that has the nature of Satan on the inside of them. So when you get born again, you can't call yourself a sinner. You used to be a sinner. Be right what it said. I used to be a sinner, but now I'm saved by grace. God's done a thing. He done done a work on me. Amen. Now, so you can't sin out of the old nature anymore because you don't have it. You don't have it. That's why I'm saying that I'm just going to sin. And it don't mean nothing to me. It's just the way I think. But when you get saved, it changes you. And the Holy Ghost came come to you and say, yeah. What about what you just did? That's called conviction. The sinner don't get it. That's why, the, that's why the sinning Christian is the most miserable person on the planet. They can't even have fun sinning no more. Because soon as they do, the Holy Ghost said, well, what about that? <laughs> he come and said, what about that? The sinner don't get that. They ready to do it again. They wrote a song about it. Let's do it again. <laughs> Morning, the evening, whatever. <laughs> they wrote a song about it. They don't get convicted. You do. You in the club, sweating. <laughs> this preacher told me this one time, and he was getting delivered of drinking because he'd come out of that kind of lifestyle. So he'd go to another city to drink. He'd go to another city. I got to go somewhere where nobody going to see me. That's why a lot of people sin out of town. <laughs> out of town, silly. <laughs> if I'm getting you, if I just rub your feather the wrong way, bust it. <laughs> That's just, I told you, I told you how it happened in here. But anyway, a young lady walked up to him and said, I know you. You're a pastor so and so. He said, I start gathering my thing. <laughs> the Holy Ghost can send somebody where you are. And it's not to convict you, it, it is to convict you, but it's also to remind you who you're not. That's not who you are. <laughs> You're not that anymore. And you ought to thank God for the conviction. Amen. You ought to thank God for a, a preaching word that convicts you because it's reminding you of who you're not. You have been transformed into the image and likeness of God by the power of the Holy Ghost. And now all this happening, conviction, is a process of renewing your mind so that you can live in the Spirit. If I convict you, you if the Holy Ghost convicts you while I'm preaching, you ought to shout hallelujah. God is doing a work in me 
He's not finished with me yet. Wait a minute. That word came because he's still working on me. You ought to get excited. We got convicted today. <laughs> you ought to go, what, what happened to your church? We got convicted. Hallelujah. I'm changing. See what's going on? That preacher think he's so smart. <laughs> no, that's just your soul, man. Hadn't been renewed. All right, move right along. He worships the Father. The fa and then it says right here, he worships the Father in the spirit and in the truth. Jesus spoke truth to what some of his disciples one day. They turned around and said, in John chapter 6, I'm not going to turn there. And they walked off from him. They just walked away. Now, they weren't born again yet. When Jesus was in the earth, nobody got born again. You couldn't get born again until after the crucifixion and the resurrection. The crucifixion alone wouldn't have got you saved. He had to get up. And when he got up, he got us up. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. He got us up. Praise God. So just plan on going up. Up in everything. Now it says, God is a, it says here, he says, worship the spirit, the father in spirit and truth. So Jesus spoke to the disciples. He said, my words are spirit. When you get in the Bible, you're looking at spiritual words. Praise God. You can turn the heat off somebody in here because I don't like to smoke and burn. Amen. You can just turn it on off. Praise God. I got to say something. Praise God because cold is better right now. Anyway. Okay, whoever got the heat, help me in here. I don't want to sweat tonight. <laughs> All right, it says, for the Father seeketh such to worship, which means Father is looking for somebody. That means God is involved in worship. Because worship is transformation. It's transformation. Worship is transformation. But this is exciting. Amen. Now, you need to understand something. The devil's at the worship, too. Because worship is the power of transformation. Hold your place right here. In John, let's go over here and look. Over here in, in uh, Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And listen to the devil talking. Luke chapter 4 and verse 5. Listen to the devil. You can learn something listening to him too. Especially when it's in the Bible. And the devil taketh him, Jesus, up to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Um, Luke chapter 4 and verse 5. Everybody got that? Luke chapter 4 and verse 5. Okay. And it says here, and the devil taketh him, Jesus, you know, the devil would try to take you somewhere. They wrote a song about that. I'll take you there. <laughs> he said, he and the devil taketh him up. <laughs> he said, said Pastor, you was out there, wasn't you? Anyway, praise God. And the devil taketh him up to a high mountain. <laughs> taketh him up to a high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world. The devil would like to take you on a tour. Show you all the dirty, dirty spots. <laughs> Amen. It took you, we'll take you on the tour. Say, I'm not going. Getting off this bus. 
Show me. You got to tell him you're getting off the bus. You got to tell him. I'm going far as I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You got to tell him that. I told him I'm done. I'm done kicking it with you. You ain't number depression, suicidal thinking, <clears throat> bodily abuse. Amen. There's some things you can put in your body, it's abuse. Need I say more? He's taking Jesus. And listen, and you got to think about this. This is the only son of God left on the planet. God is sending his best. And he's taking Jesus on the Adam tour. Yes, he is. He's taking the same place he took Adam. Yes, he did. Adam took the tour. <laughs> I like that. Yes, can I? We go, yes, you can have it. <laughs> the devil tell you yes too, man. I don't think he won't. He showed it to him in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, all this power or wealth will I give unto thee in the glory of them. For it is delivered unto me, which means it's in my control. And to whomsoever I will give, I will, I give it. Therefore, if thou will what? So he, he don't want stuff. He does not want stuff. He wants conformity. He wants conformity to his image. He's not interested in stuff. The stuff is a means to the end of what he really wants. What does he want? What does he want? I'm going to read it again. He said, I'll give you all this stuff. Verse 7 lets you know what he wants. I if thou therefore will worship me, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only. Now he's going to tell him what the Bible said. So God is after what? He's, he is the anti-Christ or the anti of everything God is. He's the exact opposite. God is love. He is sat. He's just, it just flows all through him. So if God is love, what is Satan? Can't get away from it. It's all in him. If God is faith, he's what? He can't get away from it. He's fear. He's so fearful. He's tormented. He lives every day tormented with fear. That's why the Bible said God has not given us the spirit of what? But the spirit of what? That's all God has. He doesn't have fear, scared, scared of failure, scared to trust God, scared you're going to lose, scared of doing it God's way. Scared. But Satan lives in torment. He is tormented that you're going to figure out down here at church on the rock that he is under your foot. Amen. Amen. And you the head and not the tail. Amen. And you the heir of God and the joint heir. And, and all the stuff he's trying to show you is already yours. It's already mine. It's mine anyway. 
He's after worship. What is worship? Conforming to an image that's, that others can see. And that, that affects our life. The clothes we wear. The hair styles. We all see it somewhere. I love the, the youngest grandbaby, that's Eden. Eden is so excited she can walk now. She's just going to stuff. She's, she's intermingling with everything she can because she's mobile now. And she's excited about it. Every time she's changing a new direction, she smiles because she's going to touch something that everybody else has been touching and she's been watching them all this time. Yeah. The youngest grandson, he gets up and dresses. Aiden, Aiden dresses himself. But he has a style. The day he saw Tutu in cowboy boots and a cowboy hat, he has been Western. <laughs> he done gone Western. Because a lot of times what we see, what we see, and if it influences us, then that's what we want. We got to look long enough at Jesus. That's why the Bible said that we all with open face, beholding as in the glory. The glory. What you want is your glory. That's what you want. That's what you really want. You want the glory, amen, of God restored to you. That is his manifested presence to be like him. That means you're never afraid. Because you don't have the spirit of fear. You're never afraid. Amen. People can't offend you because you're walking in love. Yeah. Amen. And you're not worried about obstacles. You got the spirit of power. Right. That's dunamis on the inside of you. You lay hands on the sick and they recover. You cast out devils and the power to prosper is a part of your life. And you live a good life down here, but that's an image. Power, love, that's an image. That's, a, that's an image. You, when you look at it, that's what that is. And that's what Jesus is. And he's come to live on the inside of you. And he wants to promote that image through you. Amen. Praise God. But I have to allow him to do it by renewing my mind. And if I don't know that it's available, that's one thing I love about Dr. Jacob. He taught me the Bible. It took me 25 years of my life to find a, a man that could open the Bible and teach it with some sense. I got an attitude. What was the rest of y'all doing with my life and my time? What were y'all doing? And I found out the most important profession on the planet is teaching. The teachers should make more money they should double their salaries. Tomorrow. Vote for me and I'll do it. <laughs> uh -huh. And our teacher said amen. Yeah, Miss Triana say, I'm voting for you. 
I'm going to help you hang your posters. The greatest thing can happen. The Bible said all you get and get wisdom. Well, how do you get it? Somebody has to teach you. You have to be taught how to be married. A husband is a taught image. It's not being a male. A male is not a husband. And if you just got a mailman, if that's all you got, <laughs> good day to you. <laughs> and if you just got a female, he didn't find out the wife, not a female. That is a taught image. It's a taught image. And it's not a whole lot of teachers. It's not. It's a taught image. It's an image that you're supposed to be able to see it and watch it. It's called being in the room. When I, was, when I was coming up and God called me to ministry, he said, do not tell those men at that church you're called. That was his conversation with me. Do not tell them or nobody in this congregation about what happened in your apartment with you. It didn't happen at church. It happened in my apartment. I told the devil, I'm done riding your bus. I'm flat out done. And wherever Jesus is taking me, that's where I'm going. Amen. And then God stepped in the apartment and says, okay, this is what we're going to do. As a matter of fact, you're going to be a pastor. Now, why did he want me to tell him that? Because none of them had any capacity in them to help me to do what I'm doing now. It was not there. It, couldn't, it didn't exist. How are you going to get something out of somebody that's not in them? Yeah. Jesus said, freely you receive, freely give. That's right. Well, it ain't in them. Right. I didn't know my wrestling coach didn't know how to wrestle. <laughs> I should have looked at him, Pillsbury Dope Boy. <laughs> he never got on the mat. What is that, Jerry? <laughs> Jerry was on that team, too. He never got on the mat one time, not even to roll over. Not even do a push-up. Always drinking coffee and eating donuts. And he was shouting instructions from the side of the mat. With, with confidence and authority. As if that's going to work. And it was the same move for everybody. What was it, Jerry? Peterson! That ain't going to work right now. <laughs> so we, <laughs> our team was led to the slaughter. Tell one of the students come back, they graduated, went to wrestle at a university. He just picked me out and said, I want to work with you. That's how I learned. I don't care what it is. I can't stand ignorance. And I can't stand more of somebody up spreading ignorance. Amen. 
That's why I hardly ever watch Christian television. I just think different now. I don't care if it's tic-tac-toe. If it's taught wrong, you shouldn't be teaching it. I remember I was teaching um, inequalities. If you didn't take algebra, you don't even know what I'm talking about. I just shot right, up, shot right over your head. I forgot how to do inequalities. Dealing with negative negatives in algebra. I just couldn't remember. I got to the subject I was teaching. And I, and I did the problem on the board. I said, that's wrong, and I know it. But they're all listening. They followed me. They're following me. They just run down. <laughs> stop, y'all. I just told everybody, stop. Just stop. Now, think about teaching. You don't have time to get it right. That's what your preparation time. That's what your planning period is for. So you know what I'm talking about. Because when one class comes in and finishes, the bell rings and another one's in there. It's, it's like an assembly line. You don't have time to figure it out. So somebody with no character just keeps teaching wrong all day long. I stopped the whole class just like a train. Now you got to do something because the kids find out you don't have a lesson plan and they find out you don't have a plan, they create one right in your classroom. They're going to show out on you. They're going to punish you for poor preparation. They're going to turn your classroom into a party. Why? Because they know you have no plan for them right now. And they're smart enough to figure it out. So I did a review. Just that quick, I went back and did a review. And then I walked down the hallway to one of the other teachers. I said, I forgot how to do inequalities. She said, Mr. Rogan, and I said, I had to stop my class. I taught a review. She said, Mr. Rogan, most teachers will not stop. They will teach the children wrong instead of admitting they've been stumped today. I said, you kidding me? No. Now, you need to understand something about preachers. They'll stand up boldly, stand up in a suit, and, and say things wrong. This is why I preach with my Bible open. So that you can follow along. So that what I'm teaching you, you can look at it. We don't read a scripture and close the Bible and then start hooping. Because Jesus said, he didn't say come shout about me. He said come learn about me. This has to be learned. You have to learn how to walk in the spirit. You have to learn how to live a spiritual life. Worship involves your emotion, but it's not emotion-led. Worship can include your emotions, but it's not emotion-led. It's spiritual-led. In some churches, major on emotion. And it's completely zero when it comes to discipleship. 
that all we all God created us to do is holler, hoop, holler, shout, roll in the flow, or sit there like an iceberg. But somebody's reading an essay to us that has nothing to do with the Bible. I'm meddling all over right now, but but I've been out there. And I could have been farther along. That's why you, you, you young people, I'm telling you right now, we're giving you a chance to get way down the road. You, you be all the way down the road, especially if you got young children. You should have your children in church teaching them so we can teach them spiritual things. They can get ahead in spiritual things faster. You should be using this if you're a young person. You've been in this church years. You've been to youth camp and all the ways we taught you. You shouldn't be forgetting those things. You should be adding to your faith, knowledge and virtue like the Bible says. So you can constantly grow and constantly perfecting, being perfected. So the devil wants worship. He wants an image. Worship produces an image. So this is what Jesus said about to him. And religion is an image too. God is omnipotent. That's an image. You got to learn that. They teach, it's called homiletics. They teach preaching styles and images. They teach that. Men should be moved by the spirit when they preach, not moved by some image you learned at seminary. Some style you move. Moving right along. Hallelujah. It says right here, if thou will, he said, if thou will therefore worship me, all shall be thine. The devil is after worship. He's after a lifestyle and a mindset that produces an image so that people can see it, so they can be led astray. That's what it is. Let us turn. And they come in all different kind of ways. And anytime somebody's not living the life, another image got them. Anytime somebody's not following Christ, another image has, they done bought into another lifestyle that they believe is going to be more profitable because this is about what you get. The devil never comes without a deal. He was doing let's make a deal long before Bob Bark and all them people. It's let's make a deal. I got a new way to do this. You ain't got to do it God's way. It takes too long anyway. Take too long to do it God's way. Let's do it this way. And then here's an image. And people have to look at it. What I saw growing was the image of religion. No power. That's all I saw until I met Dr. Jacobs. And then when I found him, I've never let anything come between us. Because it's very rare that you get it twice. And he gave me his best. He's irreplaceable. I don't know nobody like him. He's just one of a kind. Well, praise the Lord. 
I was in service one night, and, and I would travel with him. And I'd go to Cynthia. I said, Dr. Jacobs wants me to go somewhere with him. She'd say, fine. And she stayed home, and she watched the four children. I didn't have to fight with her over spiritual things. And I was with him one night. This man came up to me. He says, is that your pastor? I said, yes. He said, you know what's going to happen to you, don't you? He said, you're going to have your own anointing, and I do. He said, but you're going to get his too. You'll get both of them. That's why you have a preaching anointing and a teaching anointing and some other things too because anointings stay in the earth. They stay in the earth. Amen. And if you're a good student, it'll get on you. You don't have to, you don't have to be a pastor to cast out devils and lay hands on the sick and operate in the gifts of the Spirit. You just be a good student. He said, Keith, you were a good student. He didn't say I was a good preacher. He tells me that too. He says, but he says, you were a good student. You pay attention. You write things down. You pay attention. And God told me one time, he said, you do not pay attention to spiritual details. You can't give your attention to the world and not pay attention to spiritual details. He says, get behind me, Satan. For what is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only. Him only, you can't be serving nobody else. When I, go to, when, I'm, when I went to my job, it was to serve God. It was, it was to serve God because that was a higher calling than just serving the company. And because I was serving him at the company, he's my promoter. When it's time to get promoted, we get promoted. We're not on nobody's promotion scale in here. They tried to tell me that. Well, it's going to take a long time talking to the wrong one. Uh-huh. Go out there and talk to some of them up and down the cubicles and down the hall. I am not on y'all's financial plan. Amen. God told me one day, we're in the same boat because we have to tithe. I am not in your boat. First of all, I get to tithe, and it's a blessing to my life, and I want to find, I'm not like you. Come in there talking crazy to me. Act like that's a, that's a setback. No, that's a financial covenant with God. And now he's got to move in my behalf financially, amen. It, it, is, it, is, it is a demonstration that I'm the blessed and it's increasing on me. I am not in your boat. You tell me, yes, you shouldn't have said it. I'm not going to sit there and quiet, especially about money. He had his engineering license. He had an MBA. But I was promoted before him. God don't care about nobody's education. And he, he lived in fear. He was constantly fearful. No confidence in life. I was totally different. Whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty. It's James chapter 1 which is the word of God, and continue therein. Not being a forgetful heel, but a doer. This man shall be, this, it goes man by man. This man, not this one, this one, shall be empowered in his deeds. 
When I saw that scripture, when I was 24 years old, I knew I couldn't fail at anything. I knew it. I knew it. I don't care what corporation you put me in. I don't care where you put me. I cannot fail if I keep looking at this word. I knew this word was the key to success and doing it. Not just coming to church, but doing it. It was the key to success. And I always prospered under Dr. Jacob and still doing it. God ain't playing on your money staying the same. He's playing on you being a greater blessing. And he can't keep your money the same and you a greater blessing. And it's not by might nor by power, but it's by the spirit of the living God. Favor comes to your life. The angelic host starts working in your life. He starts opening doors that no man can shut. The blessing's on you. Amen. And no weapon formed against you can prosper. No tongue can rise against you in judgment. It shall be shown to be in the wrong for your sake. Amen. Praise God. And you're blessed coming in and blessed going out. Amen. And the blessing and his goodness and mercy follows you all the days of your life. That is, that is the life of the child of God that is conforming to his image. Hallelujah. Now, he says right here, we see he wants worship. But let's go down here and look at this verse of Scripture. Pastor Cynthia, I'm not done yet. But let's go over here and look at this verse of Scripture right here. Anyway, praise God. So I'm going to walk out on you. But anyway, just keep preaching. Keep preaching. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now listen to this. Romans chapter 8. I told you to go there, didn't I? <laughs> listen to this. Romans chapter 8. Therefore, there's number one, verse 1. There's no condemnation we don't condemn. Somebody put up there, we don't, we don't condemn in our church. No church condemns. Condemnation means they take your life. You've been judged guilty and they take your life. So no church condemns. Put up a sign, we don't condemn. But we do convict. Now, I know that's what they were trying to say. They were trying to mix con condemnation with conviction. What they're telling you is we never gonna, we're going to keep your fur going in the same way it was always going. We never, we never gonna do any trimming and any shit. That's what they're telling you. <laughs> See, all right, you get somewhere, dude. We convicting up in here. Yes, we are, because that's how you grow. It says, uh, "There's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus," which means when you're in Christ Jesus, God has no plan of destruction for you. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. That's what we're talking about. Now, we're talking about living a spiritual life. And look over here. And um, I think it's um, verse 9 I want to take a look at. But ye are not in the flesh. You're not in the flesh. Which note, now, the fle now, he just said, I want you to worship him in spirit, right? And this is why I'm going here. I want you to, you're called to worship in spirit and in truth. But when I got born again, my spirit went into ascendancy where it could worship God. See, in the old covenant, people's spirit was separated from God. Yeah. They had to lead with their soul. That's yeah. why all over the soul worship. But this is the greatest age of the church yeah. there's ever been. And so he says right here, you are not in the flesh. So don't promote that realm. You're not in the flesh, so don't promote the flesh. That's not, your, that's not your realm. 
but in the spirit. You're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And it says, um, it says here, but you're in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if a man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. So don't let it lead you anymore. But the spirit is life. The, church, the job of your born again spirit is to pump life all through you. And cause your body to live. Listen to this. And because the, the body is, um, um, okay, it's 8 o'clock. Oh, no wonder she left. Okay. All right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. She's the timepiece. All right. All right. Um, and the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, that's what he does. He that raised up Christ from the dead, now that's repentance, y'all, which he just did. Anyway, moving right along. <laughs> and raised Christ from the dead shall also quicken what? Your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. I love my wife because she just, she's just a trooper. I mean, Driving out here, you know, and praise God, she's ready to go back to double time because we're going to do, we're on that side of town and this side of town and Sunday morning twice. She did it all. She did it all without fail, praise God, and I fully expect her to keep doing it. <laughs> I don't see no reason why. Anyway, praise God. <laughs> Marry somebody that fits your purpose yeah. so you don't have to fight with them. Over who you really are. Right. Amen. I'm just trying to help you. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Turn over here. <laughs> I'm just laughing. Because <laughs> you young people, I'm going to talk to y'all later on. I'm going have to a, have a young people's class on uh, <laughs> believing for your mate. I'm going to have a believing for your mate class. And then, uh, then, uh, then Agnes talked to me. She said, you also need to have a class on how to be a mate. Amen. 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 Praise God. I said, Agnes, I'll let you teach that. <laughs> you should have some experience there after four children and ten years of marriage. Praise God. You got some sperms in that area, so I'll let you teach that part. But I'm going to teach you how to believe God for the right mate. Amen. How to use your faith on purpose. Yeah. It's in the Bible. Yeah. And I'm going to have a class on that. Especially for you young people, the single people. Amen. If you're already married, don't come to that class. <laughs> How to believe God for a mate. <laughs> don't show up. I'm going to be confused. But let's use heaven, you're going to help somebody. But anyway, but you can't come to how to be a mate class. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. We want to help you. Yes. Praise God for I, I, I see some great things happening in your life. Listen to what it says right here, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I really want to get here. I want to jump in it, but I want you to, I wanted to say, I'll spend my time talking about promoting a spiritual life. And one of the ways you promote a spiritual life is praying in other tongues. And 1 Corinthians 14, it says, follow after charity, 1 Corinthians 14, follow and desire spiritual gifts. One of the ways to be spiritual is to desire that realm. Desire spiritual things. 
Desire fellowshipping with spiritual people. Desire um, talking about the word with spiritual people. Desire getting in the words yourself. Have a word desire. Amen. Have a desire to talk to the Heavenly Father. Don't let a day go by you don't talk to Him. Amen. Every day talk to Him. Desire spiritual things over natural things. I never sat in the city at my house and my pastor was talking, teaching from the front. It never happened that I watched television and sit at home and my pastor's teaching me out of the Word of God. Amen. Pastor Seth and I desired him. We desired being there. We never miss services. We never miss. We had a desire... We were hungry for the word. We were hungry for, we're still hungry today. We are hungry. You have to, if you're a spiritual person, you have to desire that realm because that's your conformity. That's, that's what's going to conform you to the image of Christ. You have to desire spiritual things. You have to have a desire to pick up your Bible. It may start off as a discipline, but let it be a discipline. Amen. Praise God. Let it start off being a discipline. And then it'll go to a desire. And then it'll go to delight in the presence of the Lord. Amen. But he's saying right here, desire. you can desire the word. The Bible said, taste and see that the Lord is good. God is saying, if you taste me, you're going to find out that I'm good and you're going to have a desire for me. If you ever tasted something you didn't think you were going to like and then you say, give me some more of that. Well, that's what you're going to end up doing with God. <laughs> he just said, I'm there. He's got that confidence in himself. If you start living the blessed, empowered life of liberty and freedom and joy and power and blessing, amen, and goodness and mercy, your cup running over, amen, being in the right pasture at the right time besides still waters, winning even in the shadow, valley of the shadow of death. I'm still not scared. You start living like it, living the blessed life. Your home is blessed. Your mind is blessed. Your children are blessed. Your children's children are blessed. It's a good life. You got to desire God. Don't come to church. time to go? It's time to go. Like you're going to the dentist. And he got to scrape your gums for 30 minutes. Don't you treat church like that? Don't you treat church like that? <laughs> and the devil and the, <laughs> and the doctor's like, well, something that you don't desire doing. Don't treat it like that. Act like it when you got to go to the movies. Yeah. But when it comes to spiritual things, yes! And amen. Let's do that. Let's get over there. We're going to get some word tonight. It's going to refresh me, build me up, give me an inheritance among them that are sanctified. I'm going to get to where you ought to be praying for me. Open his mouth. You ought to be praying. That's what Paul said. Pray for me that my mouth might be opened and that I might speak wondrous things. You ought to be praying for me. When I go see Dr. Jacobs, I said, spiritual gifts are going to be imparted. Faith is getting ready to be imparted. And the blessing. It's happening to me. Amen. 
desire spiritual gift. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, your spirit is so hungry for God. Yes, it is. That's the part of you saying, what are we doing laying here? <laughs> That's the part of you that talks to you. If you're born again, your spirit desires God. When it's saying desire the spirit, it's talking to your soul. Because it's still like ice cream, too much of it. It's still like the big show. It's telling your soul, we're renewing. The Bible is to renew your mind. The word feeds your spirit, but it renews your mind. If you're born again, and you're in the valid decision about doing something spiritual, it's your soul telling you no, but your spirit is saying, wait a minute. You know we're supposed to be at church. You know you ain't got enough sense to lead us. Telling your soul that. I'll never forget it. It was early one Sunday morning. I never went to the store on Sunday morning. We always shop Saturday, but Sunday morning, we normally had everything we needed. So the only assignment was, was to get all the children ready for church, dressed, and there. Now, I had an image of that. Because that woman sits on the front row on Sunday morning. She dressed four kids on Sunday morning by herself. Shirt, tie, jacket, pants, belt, shoes, and socks. Three boys and a girl. And then she would go get herself ready last. And by that time, we done pulled our shirts out. <laughs> but we used to get in trouble for that. Because <laughs> we get in there and play like preachers and slap the coffee table and shout and holler. Because that's what the image we saw. My grandson saw my image. Mm -hmm. He got up there. He got up in the up and upper room. If you ain't seen that video, he got, if you ain't seen that video, hold me, Jesus. <laughs> Help me, Lord. <laughs> Where did he get that from? He got it from here. And he valued it enough to do it in his own life. That's the power of worship. You will become what you worship. Fall out to charity and desire. You have to have a desire for spiritual things. Now, sometimes your body will bother you. I was taking a nap before I got here. I told Pastor Cynthia, go on. Go on and preach to him. <laughs> I was taking a nap. I was laying down before I got here. And sometimes it just feels good. But it's a part of me saying, uh, I'm going to give you two more minutes. That's all I'm giving you. <laughs> That's your spirit talking. We all go through that. And he's saying desire. He's saying desire spiritual things so that your spirit will have the advantage. When the challenge comes, you're practicing design spiritual things. And so that your spirit would have the advantage when you hit the valley of decision. Yeah. And then you make the right choice. Yeah. And then sometimes you come, your body. I know what it's like to come on Wednesday night. I would have Pastor Cynthia, did Dr. Jacob see me sleeping? 
on the front row. Did he see me? <laughs> Y'all doing good tonight. <laughs> but I know what it's like. And I don't know, Sunday morning I just get up and go, next thing you know. No! My body said, yes, we're going to sleep. My spirit said, no! <laughs> you got to eat something, man. Anyway, do what you got to do. I'm just saying, desire spiritual gifts. <laughs> but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, amen, I'm going to get to this, speaketh not unto men. He goes straight God. You ought to have some straight God time. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I'm talking about straight God time. Amen. Amen. Praise God. God wants to have some straight God time. It ain't nobody but you and him. Not an angel. Not a demon. Praying in the spirit is straight spirit to spirit. God time. It is the purest spiritual fellowship in all of existence. Because you do not talk, it's seven billion plus people on this planet. Speaking in tongues excludes all of them, even the angelic realm. And it's just you and God. That's what Adam had. That's what Jesus had. And it's been given to us. And the enemy will try to steal it from you. It is, Kenneth Hagin called it, the doorway into the supernatural. That's what it does. And I said, I said the doorway to the supernatural, where is that? I said, I, I, I couldn't, I, you know, I didn't ask Dr. Jacobs. And then God said, there it is right there. He says, he that speaketh not unto tongues speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, how be it in the spirit. That's our realm. He said, there's the door. You got to go in the spirit. Yeah. How be it in the spirit, he speaketh mysteries. That is interpreted the plans and purposes of God. You begin You begin communication on God's level. When you pray in the tongues, he says in Isaiah 55, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. But when you pray in tongues, you're praying his ways and his thoughts. It brings you up on his level. You begin to speak the mysteries purposes, pursuits, plans, counsel, wisdom, and purpose of God. It is the highest level of communication while you're on this planet. And the devil does not want you to do it. Now, Apostle Paul says here, in verse 18, I thank God I speak in tongues more than ye all. Which means now I would think, how would he do, do that? He had to do it when he was walking alone by himself throughout the day, you speak in tongues. 
Why do you have to do this? Because your life is a mystery. And God has left the unveiling of the real you up to you. And it's in the realm of the spirit. And you have to go through that door. That's why every revival started off with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Every real one. And the evidence of speaking in tongues. Every one of them did. And then it'll lead to miracles and signs and wonders and healing. Because people that don't speak in tongues typically do not believe in divine healing. Or the gifts of the Spirit. Because the same spirit that baptizes you, regenerates your spirit, and gives you that prayer language is the same one that leads you in the rest of those gifts. And those plans and purposes and pursuits of God and those mysteries have to be prayed out. And God tried to start with me early in life, and I didn't understand it. Nobody around me understood it. I would come home, I was about 12 years old, and this utterance wanted to come out of me. I didn't know what it was. It just wanted to come out of me about 12 years old. When I was eight years old, I was sitting in church with my mama, and, and the Spirit of God just dropped on me for no apparent reason. Just dropped on me while I'm sitting right there. All I, my response to it was just cry. I think it was Marie Woodworth Edder or somebody or Catherine Kuhlman who it was. Until I read about her, the same thing happened to her. That the Holy Spirit just came on in church service next to her mother. But that church was more, more pronounced in the Spirit and she knew exactly what it was. They was able to cultivate it. It was almost a decade later before I met, over a decade later before I met Dr. Jacobs. And I didn't even tell him I was called. He looked at me and said, Keith, you're called into ministry, aren't you? I said, I don't, she don't even know that. I never told anybody because God told me not to. And then the Holy Spirit says, you tell him because he's the one that's going to train you. Somebody's got to help bring the real you out of you. But you can bring it yourself when you are taught properly by praying in other tongues. Now, he did this once before to me. He never did it before. And that's when Pastor Diana started being sick. If you, she, got, she got attacked in her body. If you read that prophecy book, you'll notice Tongue and interpretations always came through them. It was a tongue and it was an interpretation. Yeah. But things were changing. Yeah. It was changing. And that night, she wasn't feeling well, but she came to church anyway. But she was doing pretty good. He got up and spoke in tongues over me and walked off. Normally, she spoke in tongues. He gave the interpretation. She ain't always going to be here. There come a day you got to get it yourself, baby. There comes a day you got a window where people help you get it. Amen. But then it comes a day you got to get it yourself. Amen. It comes a day your teacher ain't here no more. What are you going to do then? I'm living that. Dr. Dufresne is gone. Spiritual grandparents. Spiritual mom's gone. There's one day you got to flat out get it yourself. And so you got to learn the things that they're teaching you because it's a window to it. There's a window to it. And you got to remember all those impartations. 
I said, I got to, I said, Dr. Jacobs, you prayed in tongues over me and you just walked off. I said, I guess I got to get that myself. He said, you got it. And then God gave it to me. Oh, man, it come straight out of heaven. Yes, it did. It dropped down on me straight out of heaven. Yes, it did. He said, I'm bringing all your words to pass. I'm just paraphrasing what he said. Some of it was happening Sunday morning. I'm not teaching you these things as if you couldn't walk in them. You're going to have to pray in the Holy Ghost. You're going to do it every day. And then I, then I know the promise. I'm going to teach you that next week. He says, now pray for the interpretation. And then all of a sudden, it'll just, like out of heaven, just drop. You'll be riding in a car. You'll be going somewhere, and then all of a sudden, the revelation comes. So you're going to have, he really made you and I the prophet of our own lives. These people are to help us for the work of the ministry. Amen. These people are given to help you for the work of the ministry. Eventually, you ought to start ministering. To somebody, not just coming to church. You ought to become ministers wherever you go. You get some help tonight.